This morning, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians consists of four chapters. If you want a great book to read that would prepare you for where we're going this month, I'm going to encourage you with the book of Philippians. Uh, In this text, uh, we see, of course, the Christmas story. In this text, we also see the resurrection story. Uh, The Apostle Paul is one of the greatest church planters, and so he... uh, Loves this church. He says this church is full of joy. Uh, And he also talks about that this church partnered with him in moving the gospel message to other places of the then known world. And so the book of Philippians is really a great book for you to read. And I want to encourage you to do that as well. And so last week we looked at the peace of God. We looked at Philippians 4, uh, 7. And so Paul introduces, he says, and the peace of God. And really that means you will experience the subjective peace of God. And so Paul knows that the recipient of this particular book, they understand the positional peace that we have, the positional peace that we have with Jesus. And so the reason why it's important this month that we focus on evangelism is because there are certain people who don't know their position in Christ. Some have false hope and some have no hope. And so it's important. I say it again. Some have false hope and some have no hope at all. And so peace is that, uh, is that element that's so vital. And so he says in Philippians 4, we're going to look at Philippians 1, but he, he says something. He opens up with a massive theological truth and the peace of God. And so again, as I said earlier, he's talking about the subjective peace, that peace that you experience. And that's why I'm believing God, and I'm inviting you to come and believe with me that the month of December is going to be, that people are going to experience the peace of God because God wants people to know the position of peace, which is for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So Philippians chapter 1, I give you enough time to get there. Let's look at verse 12 and verse 14. If we can get it on the screen, that would be fantastic. And so he begins um, in this book as he's already, uh, uh, you know, shared some things. And he says this, I want you to know, brothers, and that could also mean brothers and sisters. I want you to know, Philippian church, those in Philippi, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Verse 13 so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard. Now, if you remember last week, we looked at Philippians chapter 4, and he says that the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. And so here we're seeing in the first chapter now that he's given reference to what he's physically seeing. So he's there, he's under house arrest. And he's saying that what is happening to me is to advance the gospel. What a way of thinking. That he's in house arrest for preaching the gospel for advancing the gospel, for being true to the commitment he made, the decision he made to follow Christ and walking in that has led him to this particular place. Now, it's been told, and this is the fact, that the moment you surrender your life to Jesus, things are going to change. The enemy knows that as long as you're just comfortable, I don't have to worry about you because remember, the enemy is not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at the same time. And so the moment you make a decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life and to actually live out the subjective peace, the enemy says we have to do something now to try to stop them. And so here the Apostle Paul, at one time who was loved by the nation of Israel, who was loved by the religious people, made a decision to advance the gospel of peace, and now he's in prison. He's done nothing wrong. He hasn't violated any law. I want you to listen to me, believers. As a believer, we don't violate any law whatsoever. What we do is we push against the laws of the culture. And that's what they don't like. It's not that we're violating the law of God. It's not that we're violating even laws of humanity, of loving each other. We're actually demonstrating that. We're actually elevating that. And so we have to be prepared to know that the way you live in this subjective peace may get you locked up. Now, maybe not physically in prison, but you may get locked up with people trying to disown you. 
You may get locked up that you're not invited to the water fountain. Come on. You may get locked up that you're not invited to the party. You're not invited to the office gathering. Why? Because your level of living bothers people. So Paul wants them to know that throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for the anointed one. It's for Christ. And so I want you to write this down. When you make decisions, if they are going to bring the subjective peace, this is if, if write this down. When you make a decision that ushers in the subjective peace or the experiential peace, it has to be because of Christ. It has to be. So in other words, if you wake up in the morning time and you want to decide what am I going to wear today, you can invite God into it. I think that's a good thing. But you really don't need the supernatural Holy Spirit to be upon your life or something like that. Just pick out the outfit, man. And so because of God's grace, which is so amazing. Can someone say yes to God's grace? Because his grace is so amazing, there are things that God just does for us without even us even asking him. That we get in our vehicles and we just drive and we don't know that God is moving things out of the way. And errors that the enemy has sent to destroy you, that God just says, get that out of the way. What are you doing? You're just, you're just bugging them right now. Amen? Because I've anointed them. So you're just being a fly. You're just being a bug. You're just being an insect that just get it in their way. And God just moves those things out of our way that we can actually live the entire day, not even acknowledging God, but God has acknowledged you. But he says, when you're going to make a decision of lordship, when you're going to make a decision that's going to shake the kingdom of darkness, when you're going to evangelize, when you're going to share the message, when you're going to bring the peace of God into someone's chaos, now you need the supernatural peace that he mentioned in Philippians chapter 4. Because I don't want to underestimate or, or water down decision making. Decision making is vital. We thank God for the late Dr. Billy Graham that would preach the message. And people come make a decision. But what we fail to do was to let people know the significance of that decision. Because you moved from a positional piece of God with you to now God is for you. Oh, that's good for right down right there because you got to shift from that. You got to shift from that of God with you. To now God is for you. And the apostle Paul is writing to this church that he loves. And the church that brings joy to him. And he says, this is what's going on. I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. We're going to break this down because I'm telling you right now. What the enemy meant for evil, God meant it for good. There are people in bondage right now because circumstances have happened. That they have contributed to the enemy. and I mean to God and it's not been God. It's been that devil. It's been the devil. It's been the enemy. It's been people who have obeyed the whispers of the lies of the enemy who have done you harm. It's not God. I just got to rest right there for a minute. Because there's certain beliefs that we have to break. Because you think because God is sovereign. That he's the author. And that he also is the one that you have the issue with. You have no issues with God. You have no issues with God. Truth be told, God has issues with you. And he solved that. And that's one of the reasons why we celebrate Christmas. Is that God solved the issue by sending his son. So we have no, write that down. I have no issues with God. I may have issues with life. I may have circumstances that I'm struggling with. I may have addictions that I'm trying to break. But I have no issues with God. Can you imagine when you start to evangelize, you tell someone here to advance the gospel of peace, and I want to let you know, God has no issues with you, and you have no issues with God. No, 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 you don't, you don't know my story. No, I know his story. I know his story. And so the Apostle Paul wants us to recognize that what is happening to him is to advance the gospel of peace. See, this word advance means to move forward in a purposeful and intentional way. So evangelism is something that is purposefully done, and there's intention behind it. It's strategic. Yesterday, we went uh, shopping, and um, 
it was neat. We're in Macy's and just walking around, and, and, and all of a sudden, this lady uh, walks by, and, and Meg and I are walking. And I'm not sure who it triggered first, who the Holy Spirit zapped first, but they were like, let's go pray for that lady. And so, we're, you know, we're like stalking her. You know what I mean? She's going like this, and she gets up. I'm like, did you see her yet? Nope, she's up the elevator, and we will not stop until we got her right before she got the door. And so I stood in the back praying, and they were ministering. We didn't feel like we're all collect, you know, and we're just there. And it was a moment of just praying over her, and she goes, thank you, man. We said, thank you for allowing us to pray. See, there are people who are facing stuff and they need for us to be able to go and to realize that we were purposeful and intentional what we were doing. We weren't coming to hurt you. We were coming to offer hope to you. We were coming to find out what God is doing. See, when something nudges you on the inside, you got to recognize, I need peace. I can't move on until I get peace. I just can't, I can't move on until I know that there is peace in me. Does that make sense? And so now after we prayed, okay, peace, and we can go on. And we obey the Lord. And so the word advance, the gospel of peace, really means to move forward in a purposeful and intentional way. I said earlier that one of the biggest things and one of the most important things is how you make decisions for eternity. How you make decisions that are in Christ. And so when we don't have personal peace, the danger and the difficulty of making decisions will create a waste of energy or you will spend the bulk of your energy, watch this now, preserving peace. There's a difference between your personal peace, we're going to get to it, than preserving peace. Because preserving peace may make you be a people pleaser. Preserving peace may have you focused on self-interest. Because you don't want chaos. Preserving peace may make you think that the world's peace is what people really need. Listen to me. The world's peace is not going to be solved by anybody in Congress. Come on. It's for the church to go and tell Congress what to do. It's not the other way around, folks. So we got to advance the gospel of peace. And as much as we honor those who receive the Nobel Peace Prize, they're not Jesus. In the month of December, we're going to show you who the real Nobel Peace Prize winner is. Come on. That nations are at war, and you see all those things. And here, the, the, the end time is coming, folks. I'm telling you, I know you probably have heard your great-great-grandmother say it or your great-grandmother say it, but I'm telling you right now, the way the world is going, it is so ripe for the trumpet to sound, man. It is, I mean, there is nothing else left for Gabriel to lick his lips, come on, and to blow the trumpet, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and those of you who are saved will be caught up to meet him in the air. And so we shall be with the Lord. And so our decision-making is vital. And so the first thing I want to do is I want to pray that this preserving peace, I want that to get off of you because, listen, that's going to make you comfortable. That's going to make you download the app, that Calm app that you download, and the nice noise that filters everything out. And that's great for your soul. But God has something greater that surpasses the understanding of what's going on. I'm not kidding. I'm listening to the reports, and they're saying in 2023, the economy is just absolutely going to go through a very turbulent time. Your disposable income, you have to make decisions. Now, what am I going to do with this disposable income that I have? Do I honor God or do I preserve the peace in my house? So by design, I want you to, I'm going to invite you into personal peace of where, as a believer, this is the elementary, this is the foundation of how you make decisions as a believer that when you made a decision for Christ, I'm going to reveal to you that most message that you hear preached is preaching to your personal peace. It, it, it preaches to that. And because the culture has also now brought in this preserving peace, there's a conflict between the personal peace and the preserving peace. And what happens is this, is, 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 is we have to, we have to get, get, get creative, even if you have to compromise, to make sure that the preserving peace doesn't outweigh the personal peace. And so we're distracted trying to navigate between those two. And so evangelism takes a back seat. Because I'm just struggling trying to understand my own personal peace and trying to preserve in peace. And what God wants you to know right now is that there is a peace that passes all of that. 
that there's a peace that passes all of that. And we're going to be talking about it because he goes on and he says, listen, the storms and suffering of life will affect how you handle anxiety. Anxiety is dangerous, y'all. Truth be told, it's a battle for your pastor. Without the grace of God, it is an absolute battle. Trying to lead people, trying to lead your home, trying to make sure your kids live right, trying to make payments. Come on, somebody. Nobody's immune from anxiety. It's dangerous. It's destructive. It's one of the massive weapons of the enemy. And Paul writes to this church about anxiety. Jesus talked about anxiety. And so if we don't understand this peace that God is offering us, anxiety will affect us so much that we are trapped in this preserving peace and we isolate and then we move into depression and then we allow these different things to come and affect us. Mental health is on the rise in massive proportions. And not just in America, in all the nations of the world, people are experiencing anxiety at a high degree, a high level, is what they're experiencing. And so I said the storm. Someone say the storms. And the suffering of life. That's two different things. There's the suffering. Come on. But there's also the storms of life, right? The storms are the outward things that try to disturb your peace. The suffering is the inward things called like sickness and a bad report. Come on. And those things that get your mind to automatically go right over to what? Death. The moment you get hear that C word, cancer or COVID, the moment you hear that word, it, it just inflicts us with this fear and this doubt and trying to drain us of our peace. And so my question for you this morning is this. Do you doubt God? We dealt with that a little bit by saying, God, your issue is not with God. Do you doubt God? Do you make decisions based on fear? Or do you, here it is now, do you trust the process of biblical peace? I want that to sink right in. The Apostle Paul writes and says, church, I want you to make decisions based on biblical peace and not just preserving your peace. You're tempted to go back to the religious ways. You're tempted to go back to circumcision. You're tempted to go back to the sacrifice. But Christ came to destroy all of that. He came to destroy your identity and things that will not satisfy. And he wants to give you peace. So really, what is biblical peace? Thanks for asking. Here's what it is. Peace in the understanding of those times was not the absence of war. It wasn't a military term that they utilized. That's not what it meant when it comes to God's peace. Although there were military campaigns, although there was wars, there were things like that. There were times the Bible says that, that you know, the kingdom had, was at peace with everything. That's not what biblical peace is. Biblical peace is profound depth, and this is what it means. It's the Hebrew word shalom. Say with me, shalom. You're in an international class now. Shalom, right? You got it. The word most commonly translated from Hebrew, right, and it carries this kind of weight. It is the word that means safety, well-being, happiness, favor. Here it is, prosperity. The word peace, shalom, means prosperity. Say with me, it's not a bad word. Prosperity. And so if the church is not walking in prosperity, are we walking in peace? And so the culture preserving peace has robbed us of the biblical peace of prosperity. That's what's happened. The enemy says, I'm just going to confuse them. That's all he did. They said, no devil, no demon. I'm just going to confuse them. And let them realize that prosperity is found in Christ. That's one of our core values. That prosperity is found in Christ. Why? Because we want there to be peace. It also means completeness, tranquility. With nothing broken, nothing missing, or nothing lost. Ooh, how many of you want that peace? Praise God, that's what I want. Because why? I want to be able to advance the gospel of peace. And so prosperity is part of that. Well, let's look what the Greek, look at the word peace. The Greek word for peace is irena. Irena. And it means prosperity in every sense. It means security, safety. But watch this now, it also means quietness. 
It means harmony in the home. Come on, somebody, right? It means harmony in the soul. So in other words, right, when the world is chaotic and your workplace is chaotic, you ought to walk into a house that says harmony is in this house. Why? Because the peace, the son of peace abides in here. But here's the difference. The Bible never said, blessed are the peacekeeper. It said, blessed are the peacemakers. And so now that you know the definition of peace, you have to go and make peace. Oh, God. That's what Jesus did. The storm. He got up. Peace be still. He wasn't preserving the peace and just, let's see if we just get through this. He's like, hold on a second. Now, who do you think you are disrupting my sleep? How dare you? Disrupt my sleep. Because I didn't move until God told me. So if God told me to go, I have peace. So how dare you interrupt my peace on the inside by affecting the peace on the outside. And because the enemy knows that when you have the peace of God, he cannot infiltrate you. So he affects the things around you. So you will abort the peace inside of you. We call that self-destruction. Believe in the lie and you empower the liar. And so that is peace. It's also, ready for this? I love this one. It means rest. It means to be made whole. It means to be set at one again. It is a state of the tranquil, tranquility of the mind. It is the state of rest from cares and thoughts of worry that we fight daily. Ooh. I'm just going to praise God for peace. Thank you, Lord, for the peace that you fight my battles daily. So now we introduce you to the very first thing is, who are the people who advance the gospel? Let's go to Philippians chapter 1, verse 2. If we can get that on the screen. Okay, Philippians chapter 1, verse 2. Who are the people who advance the gospel of peace? This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. And so in Philippians 1, verse 2, he says this, grace to you and peace from God. I'm going to just have you write this down because we're going to dive into this more when we look at the source of your peace. But I just want to share with you there are three aspects to peace. Actually, there's four. But, but there's just three major ones, which affects the fourth one. The first one is peace from God. Write that down. So, so it says, who are the people who, who, are, who advance the gospel of peace? These are individuals now who recognize that there's grace in my life and there's peace from God. It's in that order. It's not peace and grace. It is grace and then peace. Right? It is grace and then there's peace. Because the only reason why I can live is because of God's grace. And because of his grace, I now step into the positional peace. Now I can experience the peace that comes from God. So peace doesn't come from no one else but God. It comes from God. So someone who doesn't know God cannot receive the peace from God. I know that's hard to swallow, but that's the reality. Let's start telling people the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help us, God. Let's stop trying to be peacekeepers. Let's be peacemakers because they'll thank you for that, right? Let's stop giving people false hope. Let's give them the real hope that there is, that you need the peace from God. God, come on, there's no issues you have with God. It's God had the issue with you, but God solved that by his grace, and now from his grace came the peace from God. What an amazing gift at Christmas time. What an amazing gift that is already wrapped in his love. Come on. That is the amazing message. The message of grace is powerful, but not greasy grace so we can preserve our peace. Come on, church. Stop lying to people. Grace sustains. Grace strengthens. Grace supports. But grace is not slippery. You slide on in. You know, just, you know, no, let me stop because I'm about to do my, I was about to get about seven years ago when I did the moonwalk. You know, I mean, I did my thing like that. Let me, Holy Spirit, keep me focused. Amen. I got a, I had a squirrel moment right there. So, um, so we tell people all the time, you're saved by grace. And they're like, thank you. Okay, check mark. And you know I preach that. You know what I mean? Just check mark. And, and God's like, tell them the rest of the story. Tell them the rest of the story. I, I love the, the time when Martin Luther King Jr. was, was preaching. He had, his, he had his script that was there. And, and, and so he had his, I think it was about five, six minutes they gave him to, 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 to speak at and, and all of a sudden, he's speaking, and Mahala Jackson, Mahala Jackson's right there. And she goes, come on. He goes, Martin, tell them the dream. Come on. 
Go off script. Tell them the truth. Come on, somebody. And some of you just been regurgitating stuff that the culture told you to say. Come on. Follow the script. Tell them the whole truth and nothing but the truth to help you, God. Tell them that grace is just the entrance, that there's peace, there's hope, there's faith, there's prosperity, there's rest. What? There's harmony, there's quietness, there's, come on. We got so much to share, but the enemy silence our mouth because we give them a slippery message. Just slide on in. When no one's watching, just slide on in. Come on, church. It's evangelism time. It's time for us to go and share the message that we need for people to recognize that. So who are the people who advance the gospel of peace? They are saved by grace, which afterward brings peace to their lives. I said earlier, this objective peace, as we experience forgiveness from God, and subjective peace is what Philippians 4 was talking about. This peace was subjective. In other words, what God is saying, that first there's peace from God, but there's also peace with God. There's peace with God. The, the reason why I dance is not because I have rhythm. Come on. You know what I'm saying? The reason why I dance is because I recognize not only is there a peace from God, and everyone can get that for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. But there's some of you who says, oh, I'm at peace with God. Oh, come on. That I can go to the throne of grace and obtain mercy the time of trouble. There's some of you who knows, I know that God gave his grace to everybody, but I'm in peace. He, he and I are cool. We tight. That's the peace with God. You talk about him like you know him. You talk about him like you've just been with him. Come on, somebody. You talk like you know him. I've known the girl for 23 years. Come on, somebody. But God was say, how long have you known me? Not just know about me. How long have you known me? How long have you known about me? And he's saying this grace comes to this peace, not just from God, but this peace with God. And why? Because you will get a report sometimes. That you got to move from just the peace from God. And I got to move from the peace with God. So I got to walk this thing out. So I need the peace of God. Come on. That's the third one. Is I'm cool with the peace from God. I'm cool with that. And I'm also cool that he and I are tight. But every now and then when the enemy tells me that God is not with me. Come on somebody. When the enemy says, look, look, God has abandoned you because if you are with God, you wouldn't have this report. If you're with God, the circumstance would invade your privacy. If God was so good, why are you experiencing this? Why is your kids all jacked up? Come on. But you got to move away from the peace from God, the peace with God, to I walk with the peace of God. By the Holy Ghost, preacher. You know what I'm saying, right? The Holy Spirit that abides inside of me. Go ahead and clap your hands. If you know that you have the peace of God in your life. These are the people who advance the gospel of peace. And so it's ripe as the malls are changing and the decorations and decor are going up. Let's remember there are people who don't know that peace comes from God. There are people who have no idea they can be at peace with God because every religion says that's impossible. Let me preach that again. That every religion do not believe that you can have peace with God. Because he's too holy. He's too righteous. And that's why they reverence him. And that's why they're radical. Because they know that they must work in order to get his attention. And to the extreme in the book of First Kings, they cut themselves up. And do all sorts of orgies and all sorts of things. Trying to get the God's attention. The gods of this world. And they fail because even the prophet Muhammad. You can go to his grave. Come on. Confucius, you could go to his grave. Oh, come on. Can I preach this thing like I feel it? But the people who advance the gospel, we tell you, no, no, no. There's a God who wants to have a relationship with you. Come on. And the grave is empty to prove it to you. And because the grave is empty, that means your heart now can be filled with the revelation of who God is. Go advance the gospel of peace this month. It is ripe. God is saying the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And so now you have been empowered, encouraged. I hope you haven't felt this is a condemning message. This is a encouraging message. Say, you got the goods. You're full of the grace and the peace of God. 
and go advance the gospel message. And so Paul knows his heart, and so he goes on. And he says, this is what we're doing, is that our hearts rest in the finished work of Christ. So, so let, let, me, let me hurry up and get to now the personal peace, and, and how do you actually believe in, in the personal peace? Because this is where we need to start. And, and then I'm hopefully have enough time to talk about how to rest in the gospel of peace. That's one of the things with, with peace in the Greek was to rest. And so how can you rest in peace as Paul goes on in this chapter? And so here's the personal peace. And I definitely want you to write this down or those watching online. I, I, I want you to put that in the, in the, in the comment section or whatever. The, the first thing is this, is that because you're in fellowship with the Lord and you're walking with God with this, watch this now, with all known sins confessed, and you've turned them over to God's grace. That's very important. The enemy, will, the enemy will stay rooted in you if there is sin you haven't confessed that you know about. Okay? And so that's, sorry, got quiet. That's the hard part because we talk about sin, it just gets quiet. Because people are saying, I don't even know what sin is anymore. <laughs> so like, what, what, what known sin? <laughs> you haven't told me. <laughs> So I don't walk in personal peace because you haven't told me what sin is that I have to confess. You made a dirty word as opposed to a cleansing word. So confession is a word of cleansing. It's a word of peace. And so we ask and we, we're looking at it. And so, and so the, the beginning of this is this, is that personal peace first gets to a point of where we recognize I've confessed every known sin. Not because I'm in a place of condemnation, but because I'm in a place of understanding. That God is holy, and he called me to be holy. That's what it is. It's not about behavior, it's about belief. So I confess my known sin because there's grace that cleansed me from it. So in confession, watch this, in confessing your sin, you're actually acknowledging the grace that you live by. (laughs) So though you're saved by grace, you walk out your salvation by faith. And faith without works is dead. So I confess my known sin. Lord, I'm vulnerable in this area. I need your grace to help me because I need peace for this reason. And so he goes on. And so the first thing about your personal belief is this. You are called and chosen. You are called and chosen. First Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 4. You got to get this. Because in order to make decisions that, that, that actually move us towards advancing the gospel of peace, you have to recognize. Someone say, I'm called. And I'm chosen. And so it says, First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4, For we know, brothers, watch this now, loved by God. Told you, you have no excuse with God. God is actually saying, you're loved by me. That's what he's saying. And so the first thing when you want to evangelize and share the gospel, you start with that. Because again, they have this definition of love that's just whacked. So you tell them, love by God, what do you mean? Love like how? Oh, this love can't compare to anything because God is love. And not love is God. God is love, not love is God. That he has chosen you right there. Oh, my gosh. He has chosen you. And so the first thing is that my personal peace comes from I'm called and chosen. And that's when I got saved. And and, and so when I got saved, I recognized God says, bro, I saved you by my grace. But, man, you're called and chosen. You belong to me. And so there was that first piece. Okay, God, you want my life? Yeah. Actually, I want to give you my life. I don't want your life. I want you to have my life. And so I'm called and chosen. The second thing is now to have a clear conscience. Remember now. Remember who we're talking about now. It's the Apostle Paul. So in Acts 24, verse 16, we're talking about the Apostle Paul. He's sitting there now, and they stoned Stephen because Stephen now is preaching. He's advancing the gospel of peace. Stephen is preaching on, in, in Acts chapter 8. He's preaching the gospel, and he didn't like what he said. And so all of a sudden, they stoned him. And they said they took his garment, and they laid it at whose feet? The Apostle's feet. It was Apostle Paul. And so he was privy to that. And so on the road to Damascus, God calls him, God chosen him. But here was the enemy says, but remember what you did, Paul. I don't care if an angel called you. I remember what you did. You were right there. And on top of that, you sought permission to go and do more of that. 
And you're going to come now and tell me you're called and chosen? You're going to tell me now you're at peace with God? Are you telling me that God's going to forgive what you did, Paul? I know I'm preaching this thing because those are the thoughts that go through your mind, go through your kid's mind, go through your co-worker's mind. And so, therefore, they don't think they can get peace from God because they think God hates them. All because the enemy says, watch this now. They don't have a clear conscience. They think the blood stops at called and chosen. They don't think the blood runs all the way into clearing your conscience. The blood only works on the cross. doesn't work for my conscience. You better say that, preacher. I'll say it. You think the blood only is for the cross. But you don't realize it was for my conscience. And so he says in Acts 24, 16, So I always take pains to have a clear conscience towards who? Both God and man. Paul's now is before Felix. He's about to go before the emperor Caesar. And he's now telling them. He's giving them his story. He says, I know you knew about me. I know you heard about me. You heard that I was called and chosen. But I want to tell you this. That everything inside of me. Because I need personal peace. I need to have a clear conscience. I have no agenda. I have no ulterior motives. That everything I do is to honor Christ. Because why else would I be locked up in prison? Excuse me. Why else would I be in these chains? Why else would I be locked up if it wasn't for the fact that I'm clear before God and my conscience that I've made the gospel known to everyone in my path? And so I pray this morning that we will move from being peacekeepers to being peacemakers. Because being a peacekeeper, you still have conscience that are seekers. Because you didn't tell them the truth because you were afraid of their response and their reaction. Because when you bring the gospel of peace, you're going to interrupt other people's peace. You can't walk into someone's life who is preserving peace and tell them your peace is wrong. Who do you think you are? I've been living like this for 20 years and you don't tell me to interrupt my peace. It's my identity. How dare you bring this offensive message to America? How dare you preach like this? Look at everybody else. They're cool with the way I'm living. It's just you Christians that want to interrupt preserving peace. Leave me alone. It's private. And so we went and hid because we didn't want to be offensive. And we allowed people to be in their chaos without their conscience being clear. Come on. And all this happened is the enemies have been bombarding them about decisions made 15, 20 years ago. Come on, that, that, that abortion, 15, 20, he's hitting you. Come on, you can't talk about abortion. Why? Because you have, ooh, come on now. And he wants to silence us. You can't talk about this. Perhaps the rape that took place. Perhaps these things that are just not mentioned in church where people coming in with these issues and no peace because we won't talk about them, right? And it's your neighbor right beside you is struggling with these things, knowing they're called, knowing they're chosen, but their conscience not clear. Why? Because they think the blood only goes to the cross. The blood doesn't go to my conscience. So I'll just be religious. I'll just call it Christianity. And so, therefore, a Muslim says, you're no different than I am. You just happen to call your religion Christianity. Because your conscience, you don't know that you're at peace with God. So we struggle. We struggle with that. Because no one ever told us this was sin. And so our conscience is like that. So we don't have personal peace. No wonder we get mad at each other. You're messing with my peace. I don't have room for your chaos. That's one battle. But the other battle is you want me to trust you want me to trust you that there's a peace that supersedes my preserving peace? I've been doing this for years. He says, No, I have to interrupt that. I, I, I gotta go. Number three is this, our core conviction. First Testament, we go back to that. So not only are you called and chosen, clear conscience, but your core conviction is this. First Thessalonians chapter one, verse five on the screen. Look what it says. Because our what? Gospel. Came to you not only in word, but what? In power. In what? The Holy Spirit. And with what? Full convictions. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you. We came with personal peace. Powerful. Absolutely powerful. Oh, man. I got I to gotta, I gotta move on. This is going to be a great, great month. December, I'm telling you, right now, get those invitation cards 
and invites somebody and says, listen, man, I know your chaos. I know your drama. You've been telling me about it for 15 years. You need to come now and get that out. I love you enough to say the play is over. <laughs> the credits are going. Is that what they call those things at the end of the movie? You know what I mean? It's going up. You know what I mean? And the director is Satan. He is cut. You need God to write your script, man. <laughs> and that's what we have to do. So, um, Okay, so I'll go with this, how to rest in the gospel of peace. And the next week, we're going to have to look at, go advance the gospel of peace. So this is how you rest in all these things. This is how you rest in this thing. Rest in the gospel of peace. Because we're entering to a seasons of, seasons of greeting. We're going to get to that and how the Hebrews, they would greet one another. It's, it's interesting, Pastor Betty, because they would greet each other by saying Shalom. You know, even Jesus said that as a resurrection when they were locked up, in, locked up in prison because everybody was after them. And Jesus walks in and Jesus acknowledged the Hebrew way of greeting. Come on, he's resurrected now. And he steps into their fear and chaos and says, peace be unto you. He says, this is the season of peace. He doesn't say, here I am. He speaks first to their chaos. Peace. Shalom. And so when we meet people, we must begin by saying, shalom. Mm. It's a powerful thing. It's so cool. See, I'm, I'm going to flip to that. Thank you, Holy Ghost. It's okay if I follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because, because what, is, what is neat, what is interesting with this is that this, this, this greeting of peace is, is, is so awesome. Because turn to 1 Samuel 25, verse 5. And says, We're going to end here for those who are, 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 are wondering when I'm going to wind down. Um, so 1 Samuel 25, and there's the cue, which is coming up here. So um, he prays, and the Holy Ghost says, go, go rescue that guy. So 1 Samuel 25, 5 and 6. Because you have personal peace. I'm telling you right now, there is a financial peace that God is going to reveal and release to the body. Listen to me. It's found in this particular book of Philippians. Well, we have butchered this text but God now has actually set it in a place that we're financial peace. Not financial freedom, financial peace. Your freedom is in Christ. Money can't buy you freedom. So it's financial peace, not financial freedom. Write that down. Put it on your fridge. Because your decision make affects your finance. And so therefore... I have to understand financial peace. And watch this in 1 Samuel. If we get on the script, this is so cool. So, so David now, he's running away from Saul because Saul's crazy. He has chaos. He's running away from Saul. And while he's on the run, David recognizes the importance of advancing the gospel of peace. I said earlier that the word peace means prosperity. And so in this context, if you read the whole thing, David now does this. Nabal and Abigail, they're a couple, and God has prospered them. So David now is running for his life. He has Saul who is preserving peace, his name, his kingdom. He's going after someone who had personal peace. I'm called, I'm chosen. Come on, folks. That I was out in the field, it was Samuel who called me in. And pour the oil over me. And for some of you, you've been doing your thing and God called you. says, come on. And he poured the oil over you. It wasn't your resume. It wasn't your education. It was just God's favor that says, I want you. And because of that, David was a marked man. Up until that point, he was cool. But until that point, when it was publicly recognized that God was at peace with David... All H-E double hockey stick broke out. And he's running for his life now. And yet his conscience was clear that he saw an opportunity to advance the gospel of peace. And in this text, we see the conclusion of it. Where David now is acknowledging that I've advanced the gospel of peace financially. And so David goes and read it. says, so David sent 10 young men, and David said to the young men, go up to Carmel. 
and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. David was the king at the time. So he says, when you go to him, he's going to be fearful, but tell him it's in my name. That I'm the king. I'm not a stranger. Oh, my God. That I'm David. Next verse, please. Let's go to the next verse. And thus you shall greet him. Oh, watch this now. Before I get to this part. The Philistines were enemies to everybody. And they would try to destroy your harvest and affect your economy. And David, while he's running for his life, had the strength to protect somebody else's harvest. Ooh, God. That David says, I know we're running for our lives, but we see injustice taking place. Oh, God. So David tells this man, go and protect this harvest. Nabal has no idea why he's prospering. Come on, somebody. He has no clue that his harvest is intact because someone who's called a clear conscience, come on, and full conviction says, I can't just watch injustice, chaos take root. I've got to do it. I've got to make peace. And let us be a peacekeeper. I'm going to stay out of this. It's nothing to do with this. I'm running for my own life. David says, I'm going to get involved. And David protects his harvest. Now, David goes back and David says, tell him, watch this now, and greet him. And here is the prophetic word I want to speak over you. Because guess who's been fighting for your harvest? It's been King Jesus. And guess who's coming to your house and his name? King Jesus. And guess what? He wants you to know. Come on, somebody, because you are people who are advanced the kingdom, advanced the gospel of peace. Here is a prophetic word right now. Peace be to you, first and foremost. He says, Nabal, shalom. Come on. First level of peace. Then he goes and he says, what's this? And peace be to your house. Ooh, come on, somebody. You got to tell your kids because they live up in here, they're blessed. You got to tell your kids, come on, that they're part of a rich heritage. You've got to let them know. Come on, you've got to let them know. You've got to tell your spouse, we, this house is blessed. Every demon's got to go. Every chaos got to go. Every struggle's got to go. My house is blessed. So whenever you come over, peace. Because peace to me and peace to this house. But he wasn't finished. Someone said, God is not finished. Oh, I'm done, but God is not. And so the last thing is this. And peace be to all that you have. My God, can someone receive that this morning? Because God knows to advance the gospel of peace, you need peace in those three areas. Because the enemy will attack you in all those areas to weaken your witness of what God wants to do in your midst so when you walk up to someone as you begin this evangelism as we change this place thank you for those who are going to help as we transform this place I want this to be your language I want to encourage you this to be your language when you go to people you tell them seasons greetings of peace that's what I want you to tell them I want to wish peace upon you this Christmas season. Peace to you. Peace to your house. And peace to all that you have. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. I speak to the chaos that's erupting in your life right now. I speak to it. I speak to it. I speak to that doctor's report that wasn't favorable. I speak to it. I speak. I speak to every conflict. I speak to every relationship that went south. I speak to it right now and I declare peace be to you TGP peace be to TGP peace in the city of Marion peace in the city in Upper Sandusky peace to the city of Brissarens peace to Delaware come on church peace to the nation come on peace to the state of Ohio peace receive his peace right now in the name of Jesus Receive his shalom. Receive his shalom. Now, peace to your house. 
peace to your house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Peace in my house that I lay down and sleep because the Lord caused me to dwell in safety. I come against nightmares. Come on. I come against those things that keep your kids awake. I come against the boogeyman. I come against all forms of demonic things. Get out in Jesus' name. You know, look, get out in Jesus' name. Peace to this house. Peace be to my daughter. Peace be to my son. Wherever they are, Lord, bring peace. Let them put down the needle. Let them put down the bottle. Let them put down the pills. Peace to my house God as for me and my house we will serve the Lord I speak peace to that and now I speak peace to your wallet come on yeah yeah yes I do I speak peace to your wallet I speak prosperity to your business I speak multiple clients. Come on, somebody. Hey, in the name of Jesus, while the economy may tank in 2023, there will be a people who are advancing the gospel of peace that we prosper. Clients are coming from the north, from the south, from the east, from the west to do business with us because there is peace in how we do things. Receive that in the joy of the Lord. Father, I thank you for the word that you've given me to share with your people. Thank you for all that you're doing. I pray your blessing to be upon each and every one of us. As last week we did this, we're going to do this again this week. If you need prayer for peace in any area of your life, the altars are open. We have people who will pray with you. But my God, don't leave this place in chaos. Don't leave this building to go back to prison. Good God am I. That's for somebody right there. My God, if you have watched, uh, what was it, um, the one uh, uh, when they prayed. What's that one with the girl? And they, they prayed as they. Uh, come on, it's one of the Kendrick brothers movie. It's about prayer. And war room, yes. And remember when she was praying and she went outside and closed the door, and she says, "Listen, devil, get out of my house." Went back inside again. Oh, I forgot one thing. And leave my husband alone. Oh, come on, somebody. Leave my kids alone. Leave my finance alone. You got to walk up to your house and look crazy, but you're in peace. And walk over your property. Says, listen, every square foot of this house, the peace of God abides here. While there's chaos in Egypt, there's light in Goshen. Come on, take territory. Advance the kingdom and the message of peace in Jesus' name. I'm done. I'm done. If you need prayer, I want you to come right now. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Hey! Hallelujah. The Lord bless you. The Lord cause His face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you in Jesus' name.